Dear friends, welcome to another edition of Form 2000 Online Chat. My name is Arzu Bulam, and joining us today is Ina Pidluska, the Deputy Executive Director at International Renaissance Foundation Ukraine, the largest foundation supporting the development of civil society in Ukraine. Today, we will be talking about the role of civil society in Ukraine after the war. The war in Ukraine is not over. The destruction caused as a result of this ongoing war has been immense. So what does the future look like in Ukraine? What are the plans for rebuilding the future, for rebuilding democracy and its institutions? And what role the civil society have on this path? What are civil society organizations doing now? How are they working on the field and abroad? What are the main strategic challenges? These are no easy questions to answer, but we hope that together with Ms. Piduska, we get a picture of what lies ahead for Ukraine. Welcome to the online chat once again, Inda. It's great to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you and uh, thank you for this opportunity to share some of the ideas and thoughts. Ina, I would like to start from the overview of the current situation in terms of the work that is taking place in the shadow of the war with the civil society organizations. Are they active? And if they are, what are they doing in these challenging times? Uh, Ukraine is fighting the existential war for its uh, right to be, for its right to exist as an independent European democratic nation, which has the human rights values and human dignity at its core, which has the European integration ambition, which is now becoming a reality. And the civil society is really part of uh, uh, this process. So it's very difficult indeed for me to speak about and give it the overview. You are having so many overviews now in all the media. Ukraine wanted attention, but for God's sake, it didn't want this kind of attention and didn't want this reason for being at the spotlight. Uh, but I also feel proud for the people of this country and of the civil society. Uh, they know the, what they are fighting for. They know what's at stake and uh, they know that Ukraine will prevail. There's a huge sense of national unity. There's a huge sense of uh, cohesion, resilience, strength. And Ukrainians are very proud to know that they are fighting for their freedom and they are fighting for their country. This, to a large, I think this is what defines the moment and this is what defines why Ukrainians are so eager now when the war is still on. And uh, unfortunately, we do not know when it will end. We know Ukraine will prevail, but it, will, it may take a long time. And many more, uh, many more people are going to sacrifice their lives for this. But Ukrainians are already starting thinking post-war. And that's why I'm glad to hear this question of what is it, how Ukrainians see after the war, how the civil society can contribute to that. Uh, well, very, if, if I were to say just a couple of words, it will be a stronger democratic European Ukraine, which will be moving forward towards its strategic objective and a dream of eventual membership of the European Union, and there will be a lot of effort, and there is already a lot of effort to try and make that happen, building every day 
the plans on how Ukrainians will uh, move forward, how they will do what they many in my uh, among my colleagues in the civil society think in terms of like smart recovery, which is taking into account human interests at the core of whatever we do, uh, making Ukraine a vibrant, tolerant, inclusive uh, democracy, uh, which uh, will take care of uh, the people, which will have the objectives of development high, which will be able to restore the damage which a huge damage which has been done by the Russian war on Ukraine, and it will build even better towns and cities, even more efficient economy, uh, accountable and inclusive governance. Uh, the country which is very uh, much fond of uh, strong institutions, uh, strong processes, which is mindful and, uh, and open to the international cooperation. So there are huge, big dreams that people have. And these dreams give them courage. These dreams give them strength. And it's very good that these are not just uh, dreams alone. These are also plans. We can talk about those plans and there are huge plans or the planning process which is already underway at the level of public institutions with the support of the international partners, uh, primarily the individual uh, countries as well as international institutions. And this is, this, this is just amazing. So this combination of almost daily grief when we mourn the people fallen, when we look at the atrocities which still occur, and uh, we know how much effort it will take to, to end that. But on the other hand, the dreams and plans which give us courage to make forward, to put forward. Thanks. Thank you, Anna. I mean, there's so much hope in your message, but also you know, resilience and the strength. And uh, we definitely in Forum 2000 uh, chat really appreciate this, this overview, this, this hopeful overview. Um, and I think to your um, uh, note about the plans, like if you could share with us a few of um, plans that you're seeing or that you've already supporting through the foundation. Um, if you could share some of uh, the examples, um, it would be uh, much appreciated. So there is a lot of uh, work already being done by civil society, and it is to respond to the immediate needs. Uh, these are the immediate needs of communities. Many of communities in Ukraine have accepted uh, or adopted uh, the numbers of uh, the high numbers of uh, people who unfortunately were dis uh, displaced within Ukraine by the war. Oh, the statistics are awful. We, are, uh, we hear about uh, uh, like up to 14 million people who had to leave their homes to flee the atrocities of the war. And um, it's it, it, we don't even have the very accurate number of how many are in Ukraine. I was hearing about 7 million, I was hearing about more. But what, we, what that means is that 
these people find homes in their new communities. They contribute to those new communities. Uh, the communities are working to provide them with shelter, with opportunities, with support, help them to recover from trauma and help them also to look how they plan their lives. And the civil society organizations are very much involved in providing emergency assistance. And it's already not that emergency because we the war has been on this active phase of the uh, of, of, of the war and the direct military invasion by Russia has been on for over two and a half months. So civil society organizations in their work are moving from emergency response to more uh, longer term or medium term ideas and solutions. And this would include uh, thinking together as communities as to how they build the local environment in a way that it's welcoming, how they create spaces for learning, how they create spaces for protection, how they create spaces for uh, engagement, hopefully new jobs, hopefully new opportunities. It's, it's a huge work. It, civil society cannot do it alone. But civil society is at the forefront very often with limited resources, which are used very efficiently. So we could think about uh, civil society organizations which have been providing emergency relief to their, uh, um, to their constituencies, specifically to the vulnerable groups and the vulnerable people who were affected uh, by, by the fighting, specifically in the uh, north, south, and east of Ukraine, and had to move. So those who welcomed them first very often were volunteers. Ukraine is amazing in the spirit of volunteering. The whole country is volunteering. The whole country is crowdfunding, bringing resources together, bringing their heads together, and trying to do whatever they can 24-7 to help. So this is this is really massive, and uh, I think it's a huge power. It's a huge power of people who came together to respond to the emergency need. And uh, they are, people are very creative, people are very engaged, and uh, they are very committed. As I said, civil society is really doing a lot there. And when I say civil society, I'm not talking just about civil society organizations. I'm talking about what we would call like an extended or wider civil society. I said that everyone in, in Ukraine who's not in the army, who's not in the territorial defense, who's uh, um, not doing the uh, huge governmental jobs as well, they are volunteering. They're volunteering their time, their resources, uh, their imagination, sharing their homes, sharing their meals and uh, um, whatever they could contribute. Uh, this is not new for Ukraine. Ukraine has been quite good in mobilizing and time of immense danger. As we know, the war hasn't started on the 24th of February, though it's still the 24th of February on my mental calendar and whatever I'm thinking of, that's, that's kind of a point against which I measure. Uh, but Ukrainians did, unfortunately, have the experience when Russia first invaded in 2020, uh, 2014, capturing the Crimea, illegally annexing it and occupying uh, the uh, part of, of the Donbass. So Ukrainians are very prepared 
to volunteer and contribute and meet the challenge. What's happening today is nothing to be compared with, uh, with any experience Ukraine ever had. Uh, but it did give us the practice, experience, knowing how these things work, knowing where the most important inputs could be, and the spirit of engagement, the spirit of belonging, and the capacity to self-organize, to come together, to do amazing things seemingly without any uh, like external uh, inputs and, uh, uh, well, I would say, uh, similarly, even with the resources which are here and today, that's absolutely amazing. We know it's not that simple. We know that there are so many efforts have been involved. And support and international and national solidarity with Ukraine has been immense. And a lot of what Ukrainian civil society and volunteers can be doing, that's thanks to millions of people across the world who are sending their support. And this is a valuable moral support, but even more valuable practical support in terms of money, in terms of food, uh, in terms of basic necessities, which the Ukrainian civil society and volunteers help make sure that this help arrives to the people who need it mostly in the most effective and fine way. So that's another thing uh, which I would mention and stress about uh, the current moment and also a huge value which uh, Ukrainians are so proud to see and to, to be part of it, but also Ukrainians see it very important uh, uh, to, 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 to stay. This is the value of international solidarity. Uh, it's been unprecedented. It's been tremendously powerful and it's been massive. And if we think about all the aid Ukraine needs, I think it doesn't, it's not important to count it in like specific figures. We know the figures are huge and it's billions and billions, something about 600 billions Ukraine would need for reconstruction. But I would rather think about individual contributions, which are, there's this image of a drop in the ocean. So it's like really a huge ocean, which is uh, here, to which everybody can contribute and which is so valuable to have. That's what the civil society has managed to mobilize and has managed to become the part of. It's always difficult to name specific names, specific organizations. We as the foundation support something like 500 projects a year. We will not have enough time to name all. And I, and I do not want to name some because all of them are tremendously important and they are wonderful people. They are doing miracles. And uh, when I say miracles, I mean it. Sometimes I don't really know whether in any other place it could be possible. Well, probably yes. And if, if there's another thing in addition to uh, resilience and solidarity that Ukrainians bring to the world, I would say it's inspiration. It has shifted a lot of things. It has shifted a lot of public opinion in a lot of countries, including countries in Europe, including countries away, far, far closer and uh, very distant from Ukraine. Ukrainians did inspire a lot of people who do care about 
values, who do care about freedom, who do care about the ability for people to express themselves freely, without fear, to be able to plan for the future. And this aspiration is really something very valuable, again, that the civil society can share. There are many other things we can share and many other things we could discuss specifically as we approach uh, the future reconstruction of Ukraine. And uh, we'll talk about that <laughs> as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for, for sharing this. Um, it really sounds like this experience has changed the fabric of um, civil society organizations, not just in Ukraine, but across the world. And it really is um, an inspirational um, story. Um, but I think what we should also focus on are the specific strategic challenges that the civil society is facing the solidarity, the support that you've mentioned, the response from the international community. Um, I would be uh, really interested in hearing um, of those challenges and how or how do you see is the best way to address those challenges, what the international community do in addition uh, to what it has already done. Um, if you could elaborate on that. So let's let's try and uh, address these things in at least two parts. One is the challenges for the society of Ukraine. And we mentioned some of them. It's, it's the huge damage that the Russian war has caused to uh, livelihoods, people's lives, uh, citizen towns, the infrastructure, the economy. We do have five people, uh, five million people who temporarily or permanently lost their jobs, That's who lost their incomes. So we do have people who had to relocate, who had to flee their houses. And some will never come back to their houses because those houses have been destroyed. We still have the calculations in process of how much damage has been done. And we did support uh, very innovative tools that are used now to calculate this damage and enable everyone who has lost property to report and, uh, well, at least have it this damage recorded and hopefully addressed. Uh, there's a huge damage which is done to uh, the education system. We know that so many schools, like thousands of schools are now affected. They can't operate anymore. Hundreds of them have been destroyed. They cannot service schools anymore. They need to be rebuilt from start. The schooling, well, the, the whole process, of the whole, the whole, all the uh, children of school age had to leave their homes, many of them. And you know that for so many, for too many of them, it's been an extremely difficult time of uh, trying to continue to stay in education, especially those who were planning and hoping and dreaming of starting post-school education this year. This is tremendously difficult. It's also a huge damage, which is done to the health system and to the hospital and Russians deliberately targeting schools and hospitals, which is a war crime. And uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's something you cannot really, uh, calculate in terms of uh, just uh, 
destroyed infrastructure and destroyed buildings because the most important are people and the damage, the, the huge damage to the people which has been done. That will need to be repaired. There's a lot of work uh, trying to help people cope with this with this trauma. There's a lot of work that civil society does to document primarily the war crimes and crimes against humanity and make sure that the perpetrators from the top level, not just the immediate implementers who have been killing and raping and mutilating Ukrainians on the temporarily occupied territories, but all of those who sanctioned this, all of those who caused this to Ukraine and the world, they will be brought to justice. So that's that's a huge work. And that's a huge challenge as well, because the task is so massive. And because it's being implemented, so there's efforts to, to document as soon as possible there's efforts to mitigate and remedy while the war is still on. So Ukraine is at the same time fighting the war and looking for solutions. And of course, that's a challenge. If we look at the challenges for the civil society and like we're part of that, and I know, as I said, this is, uh, this is sometimes difficult to differentiate and I wouldn't want to differentiate because civil society is part of this country and they, uh, they are people, they, they, they are first and foremost Ukrainians who, um, who are, who are part of this society. But if we took specifically and a little bit uh, uh, really zoom down uh, on, uh, uh, on their needs. So I would start with uh, saying like, while we do praise the resilience and talk a lot about resilience of civil society, which comes from understanding of the importance and the ability and willingness to take on the tasks which are massive and which are too high or too oversized and sometimes not usual for the civil society and for anybody to take on. But now, in addition to resilience, I would look at the vulnerability of civil society. As I mentioned, they are also human beings. They have been working hard, like really hard. A lot of them have been targeted. And if you heard about the hit lists, uh, the kill lists, then the perpetrators and the Russian aggressors uh, were pensioning, and uh, we have been hearing from colleagues, especially in those which are temporarily occupied or areas or areas affected by, by uh, heavy military fighting. So they are real. So these are not just uh, stories being circulated in some whatever social media elsewhere. So people are really in danger, and they continue to be in danger. As we are speaking, people in the east and south of Ukraine are facing imminent danger, especially those who are community activists, especially those who are members of local self-governance, journalists, uh, people who have been helping others, even they may not be outside of the formal civil society organizations or bodies of uh, government, they are all under immense danger. So protecting them, protecting civil society at large, protecting people uh, who have an active position and because of this active position are more vulnerable than others. This is, this is an extremely important uh, task and also a challenge. Uh, for that, there are many solutions which are already in the pipeline. We have been discussing uh, hubs and shelters 
for internally displaced people and also for people who had to leave Ukraine temporarily. Some of them are not formally refugees, though there we are talking about millions of people, We're talking about over three millions of people, probably even four million of people. Now, many of them are um, using the temporary protection. Many of, the, many of them know that the the moment they feel it's safe for them to come back, they will be coming back to come back to help rebuild their lives, rebuild that. But so far, the need for protection is, uh, is really huge. As I mentioned, there was this huge solidarity and support, but there need to be uh, longer term and sustainable solutions because we do not know for how long these people will need support and assistance and protection. This is a huge, also a huge need. There's another challenge, and that's more for the future. And... Uh, it may sound a little bit paradoxical, especially now, because we are having such a huge unity and mobilization and self-organization to think together about uh, building a better, more efficient, more effective, and more human-centered Ukraine. So the challenge is for the civil society organizations, and actually also for those who support civil society organizations, to be able to have the uh, resources and approaches and spaces in place in which civil society organizations can also be engaged meaningfully and effectively in the future reconstruction processes. Because by all means, this is not just the business of the government. This is not just the business of contractors. This is not the business of international agencies, financial institutions, you name it. There's a huge role for the civil sure that reconstruction is people-centered. It's accountable to the citizens at all levels, from the national level and the big top-level design of what this new, better, rebuilt, vibrant, successful European Ukraine involves and how it looks like when we rebuild it, to the very tiny village, which has received a lot of uh, IDPs, but which is now considering that this is huge human capital. This is an asset, and it does need also this thinking. And it's for the civil society to be able to serve as the provider of spaces, probably the mobilizers of mobilizer of resources, the mobilizer of ideas, but also uh, a voice for accountability, a voice for more responsive and responsible and inclusive governance, without which reconstruction and rebuilding might remain a very technical thing, which definitely it is not. Absolutely. And I really appreciate that you uh, brought in this people-centered approach to recovery, to the reconstruction of the future. And I think it's really important um, to keep that in, in, in the background when all of this work, all of the projects, um, all of the initiatives, investments uh, come in and the work kicks off. Um, you know, I would um, love to continue this conversation, but unfortunately, we only have a limited uh, amount of time. And I Wanted to express my my gratitude uh, to you for for joining us today, for talking to Forum 2000 online chat, for sharing the story 
um, the story of resilient um, civil society, the story of resilient people of Ukraine who uh, keep on um, fighting, uh, keep on the spirit alive. And I think it's a really important message that you've shared with us today. And I really cannot wait for all of these different ideas, uh, projects come to life. Uh, some of them are already happening, but really to see um, Ukraine rebuilt. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, yes, I am, uh, I am hopeful. And uh, I've, I've been talking mostly about uh, the positive things of course, there are a lot of hardships, although there are a lot of challenges, and uh, Ukraine will prevail. Thank you for the space, for sharing, and space. thank you for the support. We need a lot of it. We need every effort which the international community can share with Ukrainians, and thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Right. Thank you.